Welcome to Sunday's Day with Kevin Clark. I am Kevin Clark. Yes, sir. All right, let's get to Jeremy Fowler. We're doing overrated, underrated players in the NFL based off of his reporting, plus rookie extension talk and quarterback movement. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at UGG.com. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. All right, Jeremy Fowler, senior NFL reporter at ESPN, Florida guy, Orlando guy. I just figured out because you live in central Connecticut, I had not made this connection. You can come to next April, the Steve Cerruti, Kevin Clark, Zach Lowe, central Connecticut or southern Connecticut uh, magic play in watch party that we have scheduled far in advance for the year the magic make the play in and then the year after when we are like a top a top four seed so there's there's big things happening at a, at a Chili's in southern connecticut 11 months from now and you'll be there and we can also invite andy staples who doesn't live in the area but he's another magic fan who's been on this show and he can he can come too that's awesome get some hot fajitas that's, that's go, go tear it up. A little triple Watch dipper. Watch the nine seed magic. It's a bad day to be a triple dipper. I'll say that. It is a bad day to be a triple dipper or a two for one Marg. Um, all right. So we're just going to go around the league and, and figure out what's going on right now. Um, I will say this, Jeremy. I just saw a quote right before we logged on from yeah. Bill Belichick about, about uh, OTAs and him missing it and saying we've moved past it and all that stuff. If you were to just take off the name and said there was a team that lost two OTA practices because they had 15 minutes too long talking about special teams. Wouldn't be hard to figure out which team it was. Wouldn't be hard to figure out which team was saying, you know what, let's stretch this special teams meeting a little bit. <laughs> I would think Ravens or I would think Patriots. Oh, Those yeah. would be the first two guesses. Because Ravens have broken some OTA rolls too. Oh, yeah. So that was uh, more about hitting, some right? Precedent there. That's like a period. That was more about hitting, yeah. yeah they, but John Harbaugh's got the special teams background like those are the two strong candidates for that kind of madness here's the here's thing remember the uh i don't know if you watch billions but uh bobby oxford punched somebody in the face at a pool another dad a rival dad who had done something bad and someone i th- i th- i'm paraphrasing here i wish i had looked this up before because i just thought about it but uh i think somebody says like yeah that's gonna cost you and bobby oxford goes worth it and then just walks away Bill Belichick getting fined fifty thousand dollars to talk about special teams too long, even though it was Joe Judge. Like he's probably just like <laughs> worth it, worth it, and just walking away. Special, you can't put yeah. a price on special teams in May. Hey man, you just can't. going to get you an extra eight yards. You know, uh, hidden yardage. Six. Hidden yardage, as they call it. All right. So one of the things that you're really good at is taking the temperature of the league um, with regards to players, teams, all that stuff, talking to ca- coaches, scouts, GMs. We're just going to gossip for a little bit about what's going on in the league, but I want to start with this Let's because you, you do a project um, every summer, top 10 
players at, at basically every every important position. So let's just yeah. do some some underrated overrateds. Um, we'll start here. Let's start. Let's start with the glamour. Let's go with quarterback. Give me an underrated quarterback that the league underrated says, quarterback that the league so says, OK, this is this guy's really good. And you and I wouldn't bring it up normally in normal conversation. It's not it's not a, a guy that you go to Buffalo Wild yeah. Wings down the street and people are saying, going to have a career year. Yeah, yeah. So I would say the league still likes Dak, even though he struggled. I guess it, we have to go by tiers on this, right? You're talking about a guy who's like, if he was ranked 13th, you'd be surprised. Like that would be Derek Carr. Like the league's still pretty high on Derek Carr, oh God. even though he got benched last can, can, year. I'm sorry. I, I, don't, I want I want to let you cook. Can you please tell me what what the league thinks about Derek Carr? Like what what do they like about him? Uh, let me see here. Hold on. Quick processor. Uh, can can handle heavy install. Can handle a lot of offense. Smart guy. Uh, highly accurate. These are just some things I had in my notes. Oh my um, god. Smart guy. I, I, I like Derek Carr generally, but I just I thought I was going to be sold on some of those descriptions, and I'm just not. Like no, good processing really is, is important, but like it's extremely important. It's one of the most important things, but like that can't be your thing. No, no. And what it's like the last year it looked like he just throwing everything up yeah. in the air as high as he could and hoped for the best. So that didn't seem to fit the, the smart description, but teams still like him. Like they, they still feel like he's a top. 14 quarterback i'd say like dak they just they can't quit dak he's still uh yeah the way i do it is i get like one through ten rank your one through right. ten at each position and i get 50 plus people around the league to do it and dak will pound you with eight nine and ten votes like most people have them in the top 10 but nobody has them high so he he gets in the top 10 because he has all these late votes but um he's still considered that kind of player you know like better than most so those are two that come to mind. Jared Goff a little bit. Jared Goff and Kirk Ooh. Cousins will come in higher than they had ever in the past. What does the league think happened to Dak last year? Are there any are there any kind of excuses or, or coaching or offensive issues? Like when when they say, "Hey, Dak's actually still broken," and I'm a I'm a Dak guy. I'm far higher than Dak yeah. than I am on, on Derek Carr. Um, what does the league think happened to Dak? Not really many excuses for him. They thought he just wasn't seeing it very well. Like. Like we talk about the processing thing, he just was a bit slow on his reads and making decisions. Like he just looked off in that regard. And, you know, I guess the only excuse that was made for him was like the Kellen Moore offense. Right. Really wanted to stretch the field and go vertical, which Dak likes. He's sort of a little bit of a gambler by nature. Um, but Michael Gallup wasn't the same. And CD Lamb was really the only guy that he could go to consistently that would get it done. So you know, he, he just probably didn't have enough support around him. This year, there'll be no excuses. You know, you got Brandon Cooks, who maybe is a little bit past his prime. He's still a vertical guy. Michael Gallup will be healthy. Tony Pollard's now the lead guy. Good offensive line. Like, there's really no reason why he should have the same interception clip. He and C.D. Lamb were at the Formula One race, building chemistry. Just keep repping it. Just keep repping, hanging out until until it works. Um, he, had that, he had that nice suit jacket, right? He did. Jacket, he had nice like little, little... Oh, and shorts, which is a look. I actually thought suit about and shorts. it. shorts. I actually have thought about yeah. it at F1 because the thing is, it's so hot at F1. And in order to look good, you, ha you have to do like like Mahomes had this this year. You have to do kind of do the the romper kind of pajamas look. The sh you know what I'm talking about? The short sleeve pajama okay. look. You have to do that. And that that's I cannot pull that off. And also, I think those all cost like yeah. $3,000 somehow. Um, oh, and please. so a $3,000 romper. 
Yeah. And so yeah, I just kind of hit the eject button and just wore like a, a jacket over shorts. But I didn't <laughs> Do you have to good. wear a jacket, Def One. Uh, you don't. But like, is it preferred? No, I, I don't. A lot of people tough it out and wear pants. I wasn't going to wear short, a T-shirt and shorts. I wasn't going to do it. Can't do it. So you're a pants guy, though. I'm, I'm a pants I've guy in shorts. Well, you, you got to get an F1, brother. Um, and so, <laughs> no, there's so much walking and stuff. So Dak played it right. I just don't have the, the, the capacity to, to pull off the Dak, the Dak shorts and jacket. thing. Maybe, maybe next year. Maybe next year. Maybe I'll workshop it. I'll rep it. And we'll see where we're at. But at the magic um, deal uh, in 11 months, yeah. you can do that. At the Chili's, I, I'll say I this. There's a reason. You you did not see any photos of me from the Formula One race. It's because I didn't sartorially have have what it takes this year. I just didn't. I just didn't. Um, all right. So the Derek Carr thing, I, I just want to circle back on this because I don't want to sound hypocritical because like Joe Burrow has always said that that his best trait is just getting five guys that under route and processing it quickly. Daniel Jeremiah famously said that vision is a superpower, but he has so many other yeah. things going for him. Um, and I also yeah. say, by the way, Derek Carr does. I was going to say Burrow has a lot of confidence. Derek Carr does too. I remember reporting a thing a couple of years ago where, you know, I, I, it's not it's not new territory now. But Derek Carr's you know favorite player ever is Kobe Bryant. He loves that sort of point guard mentality or that the, yeah. the 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 star NBA player mentality, the guard mentality, yeah. where, you're, where you're just putting up points late in the game. He likes that. Um, but the improvisational skills um, from Burrow are, are you know kind of what what separates it. And I, I don't want to do Burrow versus yeah. Carr because no one's having that discussion. I'm just talking right. about processing being your best skill as far as an underrated quarterback, um, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I can see when you listed that, it's almost like a caricature of what coaches like, you know, it's just almost like just, I, it, yeah. Yeah. Well, but the thing is, and Kirk Cousins, too. Carr, Kirk Cousins being in that mix right. too. It's also a caricature of what coaches like. Right. But such a big part of the rankings, or at least how teams value quarterbacks is, that toughness part in the pocket, yes. like Burroughs maybe the best at this, where it's like, okay, I'm going to sit here and wait for the route to develop and I'm going to throw it and I'm probably going to get blasted. Right. And I'm okay with that. Where car, that's not car's strength, but so he can have the processing and be super smart, but he might not have that part of it. Uh, Jared Goff, actually, I think my understanding is partly why he's viewed a little strongly uh, more strongly now than he was in the past is because he's gotten tougher, like in the pocket, he'll hang in there a little more where he used to really wilt. Because uh, he's always been a really pretty passer. Um, so I think Carr is probably a top 12 quarterback now uh, as a result of that and just getting a little tougher. Wow. C- coaches, especially Shanahan tree coaches, love Kirk Cousins because he does what they yeah. ask. He does what you're supposed to do in the offense. And that's he's why. solid, man. He's so solid. Like, I know he threw some picks last year, but I mean, look at his numbers. Like, they've always been really good. Like, it's just, it's hard to. He executes the offense. You got Justin Jefferson. You can throw to him 86% of the time. Like that's kind of <laughs> what he does. He just throws to him. It's like the, the percentage rate is crazy. Coaches love executing the offense. And there's not much more to it than that. Just like you have a, a set <laughs> of instructions that. and you do it. And, and then the yeah. coaches are like, when Jeremy Fowler calls, I'm going to overrate this guy. Um, all right, let's flip <laughs> it. Quarterback that maybe we talk too much about that, they, that in the league, they say, yeah. I mean, so Lamar. It's Lamar. It's always Lamar. The the league is not as high on Lamar as the media. It's just the way it is. Um, I because I've been doing this project now for about four years, so I I tend to take some heat when I talk about Lamar. But it's like I just I don't know. He he's doing better this year than he did last year, and he wasn't in the top ten, which is sort of shocking based on his production. It's like the MVP pedigree, but they're just not wholly convinced uh, 
of him as a passer, you know, to be able to get it done. But they like what he did this last year, his first eight or nine games. They thought he made some strides. Like he was, you know, um, he was aggressive and, and throwing the ball well. So uh, he, he's in a better spot now probably. And now he's got the street cred with a big contract where it's like, okay, oh, yeah, he's, he's a guy who's worth that. Um, and so you get more of the benefit of the doubt when you get the new deal. But it, it's, it's always honestly been Lamar as far as like the deviation between the, the media fandom and how much they sort of protect and fight for Lamar versus the league. And just some of the the shortcomings the league sees. My guess, and you talk to these folks about it specifically, but my guess is is that there's kind of an old school belief among head coaches. And by the way, this is one thing we have to qualify. GMs, coaches, and even scouts, the ones who are in power now, all came into the NFL in like the late 90s when it was a different game. And so a lot of times we go, oh, what, they're not on football outsiders. And like, listen, I'm Mr. Analytics, but you just got to understand that this yeah. is, there's still even like forward thinking coaches came in very, very, very old school. And even Sean McVay, yeah, even, even Sean McVay, who is as forward thinking offensively as possible. One of the reasons he's probably not as fourth down inclined and all that stuff is you have to remember he. He was a he was playing in college in 2002 yeah. and 2003 and 2004 when it was a completely different yeah. game. Um, he was playing in the MAC, yeah. um, and so it, it's it's just a I, I think I think there's still some residual effects from what football used to be. So I so this is a long way of saying like my guess is is that there are coaches who look at Lamar and say when it's and and just I'm going to do my my foggy old coach voice. When it's 3rd and 10, you I remember Trent Dilfer used to say this, right? 3rd and 10, you're just going to have to drop back. Everybody in the building is going to know you're going to pass. Can you make that pass? Right? Like is right. that the actual criticism that he can't and by the way, I think he can. But is it that just the book where yeah. it's just like when everybody knows he's going to pass like that, that kind of BS? Uh, no, I don't think it's that maybe, maybe there's probably some of that, I, but and, I did a like, great voice for it. So it seems like it's that now <laughs> you're, you're a curmudgeon coach now, officially. Uh, I I'll say it's some, some of it's an accuracy issue that the people had a problem with some of it's, uh, usage, how he's used, like some do believe, and I'm not saying it's fair or not, but they believe how you're used tells you a lot about who the player is behind the scenes and the Ravens ran Lamar a lot and threw to tight ends a lot. who had a big catch radius who could catch inaccurate passes. That that's sort of the thought. I'm not saying it's right, but you hear those kind of things. So I, I had this talk uh, with Dan Orlovsky recently because he was, he was making the argument on air. Lamar is going to have a huge year because he finally has the right offense with Todd Munkin and some weapons and it's going to bring out the best of them, which I do agree with, but I did ask him like after we got off the show, like, okay, so, some NFL people would not agree with that. They say that uh, Greg Roman was using Lamar to the best of like what he did best and was almost trying to hide some of the things like, you know, throwing deep outs to receivers that have to be on the money. They maybe didn't do as much as that as like some other teams would because they felt that wasn't Lamar's strength. So his argument was like Roman's a run guy, you know, his offenses are run based. So um, you lean into that and it was working. So they didn't need to change it until now. Where others, maybe like some scouts or coaches you talk to, wouldn't agree with that. They think, well, they were just they were trying to to mask some of Lamar's deficiencies, and that's why they ran the offense. So it's a really interesting conversation. I don't I don't really fall one side or the other on it. He's definitely a top seven to ten quarterback without question. Um, but it's just there's more debate around him than there are uh, with some other players. Um, you know, like the Burrow, Herbert, Allen, Aaron Rodgers. 
Uh, and then, of course, Mahomes. It's just a different conversation with Lamar for whatever reason, fair or not. Uh, I think that to push back on these hypothetical anonymous coaches, honestly, and I know I know you're just a a, a, a conduit. Um, it just seems to me like they ran him because he's was clocked as the fastest player who's played quarterback ever yeah. for next gen stats, except the w- one time Daniel Jones had an 80 yard run and somehow touched like <laughs> 20, 25 miles per hour. Um, but I believe he's clocked at, I believe his average speed was like 13 miles per hour, his MVP season, which for average speed is incredible. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. Again, it's funny because I'm falling into the same trap you just described, which is the media tends to, uh, defend Lamar at all every corner, and but then you hear that kind of stuff from coaches, and you're just like, wait, now I have to defend him, and then the cycle continues, and then coaches get more forceful about why they don't like him, and then the pattern, the pat, the pattern begins anew. It's fascinating. I mean, he's a tremendous player, and they're like all these stats last year about how he did so well. Like I think his passer rating and four of his games was over 100. Like his QBR was was better, even though he ran less. This last year, but then there, I think there's always something that people latch on to. Like this year, I saw his, I think his off target rate was 19%, which is like really high. Like Justin Fields and only a couple guys were lower than that. So there's just, there's always something that, like, in the eyes of some of these voters, holds them back a little bit with Lamar. But he did, he did a lot better this year than last year. So he's, I remember he's trending upward. I remember when I said, when there was a year where Tom Brady had an off target rate that was really, really high. And I put that yeah. out on Twitter. It was he had the same as Trubisky, and okay. the year Trubisky was bad. And I put that out on Twitter. And I've that the amount of Patriots fans calling it a fake stat was very, very, very <laughs> funny. It's like, oh, it's a fake stat. Not a fake stat with yeah. Trubisky. It's definitely a fake stat with Brady. Like sometimes people right. have have weird years. Anyway, um, yeah, any other sure. quarterback that uh, that we think coaches disagree with as far as uh, mm. media hype? Not really. Uh, pretty unanimous with the top guys um there's a little bit of like herbert versus hertz who's better i'd say it's pretty split um kind of in that like five to six range is probably where they'll fall you know there's i wouldn't say so uh you know Tua. i mean i think people want to see a little more um see him put together a full season a durable season uh but he's certainly in the mix there and uh has gotten some a decent amount of votes for the top 10 so a lot of debate daniel jones has got a little momentum you know, you'd be surprised. Um, he's he's probably worth the money in some ways. I mean, like, you can see why they paid him based on how he's regarded. Tell me you called everybody with the Giants without telling me you called everybody with the Giants. Um, <laughs> all right. So uh, all Giants votes, all Giants votes, the the, the J Marov ballot, the B Day Bowl yep. ballot, the Joe Shane non, ballot. Non-Giants votes. He gets he definitely got some non-Giants votes for sure. Wow. Um, where's Gettleman these days? Hey, um, so let's, uh, we're going to do a rookie quarterback thing a little bit later. So I don't, I don't want to delve into the burrow Herbert yeah. to a thing too much until, until we get there. Um, let's do receiver, uh, underrated receiver, underrated receiver, T Higgins, uh, Terry McLaurin. Wow. Okay. So McLaurin, I actually think, so there's, there's two different things here. The T Higgins thing is interesting to me. And I put also put Tyler Boyd in this bucket too. When I was doing the Joe Burrow thing last year and I was meeting with basically everybody on his offense, talking about like 20, 20 guys probably over the course of the two days. I, uh, somebody afterwards, after the tape recorder was off, was basically like, the one thing you have to understand about this offense is like, we are going to look back on these three receivers being on these contracts at this time. And, yeah. and 
talk about how special it was because I don't think before coming into last season, this person thinks that we were not reckoning with that in any meaningful way. They like those three yeah. receivers. It is Joe Burrow, but it's also those three receivers being at this time and place is a special thing. And you know, you know, like those Twitter things where it's like, Oh my God, I can't believe these guys were on the same team. That team was a problem. Prime prime Tyler Boyd was a problem, right? Like I, I think right. when, when that group gets broken up by contracts or, or for whatever reason, health, whatever, we're going to look back on it and be like, Holy crap um so what's the what's no what's the the sort of take on on t higgins and, and what do they like about him so a lot of people think he's a top 10 receiver now that he's like a number one guy um it was interesting you know deandre hopkins couldn't get traded gets cut i know he's older but like t higgins if the Bengals wanted to trade him like they would have a ton of interest like it would be they could get serious draft capital for him they don't want to they want to try to sign him um, so that, you know, the money usually tells you a lot. And I mean, really though, I knock on him is like, teams don't think he has top, top end speed, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which showed in his 40, I think it was a four or five guy in the 40. Um, but he's just really smooth, big contested catch guy cannot run you probably faster on the field than he is in like a 40 time. So, you know, he's just, he's trending upward where some are kind of level or trending down. Um, and then like Terry McLaurin is the guy who is, you know, getting his due. He's always kind of like fringe top 10, you know, he might sneak in there this year, just like really solid, really solid, great route runner, like, you know, great locker room guy leader, like all the things you want. Yeah. And you wonder the quarterback service he's going to get this year, whether or not that helps or hurts him. I mean, some guys actually get such a bad quarterback play that they become overrated as receivers. Cause we just go, Oh, look at the quarterbacks, you know? So it'll be yeah. interesting how that I mean, develops. look at Deandre Hopkins, right? Yes. I'm not saying Hopkins is overrated, but I'm not saying that at all, but like he's, I think he doesn't have to sign with a good quarterback right now. Right. I think he's open to all teams because he's like, I've played with mostly bad quarterbacks aside from Deshaun and a little bit of Kyler Murray when he was, when he was rolling, you know, we like also get into the Allen Robinson zone where like you can actually start doing no wrong because of the bad quarterbacks you played with. And then everybody right. just wildly overrates you with the Rams. And I, I think that was a matter of bad timing. I don't think Allen Robinson was bad or anything. I just think it was very funny where it was just like the one time he got into an offense that should have been good. And obviously Stafford has health problems that yeah. the offensive line was decimated last year. But like, it's very funny to me that everybody's like, all right, Allen Robinson's time to shine. And he just totally missed the boat. And I, I feel bad. I feel bad. But like that, yeah. that's it's a football tragedy. That's funny. Yeah, no doubt. Well, like Terry McLaurin's going to have, I mean, he averages three quarterbacks a year, right? Uh, it was kind of <laughs> that way with Robinson for a while. So I feel bad. All right. They, they might, they like to overachieve. The spotlight's not on them. I'm I'm going to, I'm going to unveil. I bet you didn't see this one coming. Uh, Sam Howell take I'm thinking about. I feel so bad. It's actually my number one feel bad candidate is Sam Howell because there are people I know who I trust who actually say he's got something. If, if he's on a bench for a couple of years and he develops yeah. into to something, right? Yeah, I like being him. nailed on in this role as a starter so early is bad. I feel bad for Ron Rivera, who is going to try to have to save his job with Sam Howell, and then does he go away from Sam Howell quickly because of that? Um, I feel bad for. I mean, I don't actually feel bad for Josh Harris, but it's like to come into this and know like you're not really going to get a definitive sample size on anything this year because it's it's, it's old coach trying to salvage something yeah. young quarterback. Like it just feels on the field, like a complete mismatch. I feel terrible for everybody. I'm with you to an extent. I don't know. So he sat what 15 games, 16 games. So pretty much a full year. That's more than most. 
quarterback. He was a fifth round pick. Deals, right? He was a fifth round pick. It wasn't like he was a second round pick. Hey, I was surprised by that, though. I really wasn't. It's easy to say that. I was surprised. I, I know some teams that really liked him day two, and he just, for whatever reason, fell to the fifth. I, I still can't figure that one out. I still can't figure out why Sean Clifford went in the fifth round of the Packers. Like the quarterback drafting is tough to shake out, but I, I look, he's, he's got some talent beyond definitely beyond a fifth round pick normalcy that you would see. Um, they got three good weapons on the outside, decent running backs, offensive line should be better. Like, I don't know. I don't think he's that set up for failure as it would look on paper. He's got to get a decent start though. Right. If they go two and four, uh, Jacoby Brissett time. Five, he's he's in trouble, and they and they gave Jacoby Brissett real money. I mean, they gave him eight million dollars yeah. in guarantees. So, yep. You know, we'll see uh, where that right. goes. You mentioned guys who are receivers who are plateauing or maybe on the way down. I assume that would dovetail with the with the overrated. Is there a are there guys who are league is saying okay, he's still there, but it's it's starting to go. That's a good question. I mean, Hopkins a little bit. Yeah. You know? Well, we just said we have some we have some yeah. evidence on that. How the league feels about DeAndre Hopkins right now. I know. Uh, not all that many declining. I'm looking here. Like some of these guys have held up pretty well. Like Amari Cooper. Um, you know, Mike Evans still gets a good amount of votes. I would say that's a tough one. All these guys are really good. Like they're still really productive. Like Debo yeah. Samuel didn't have a great year numbers wise, but he's still highly regarded. Uh, I would say Cooper Cup's probably got a little bit mm. to prove now coming off the injury, you know, mm. and he's older than you think, right? He's he's not, he just did a big deal, but it was his third contract. So, you know, he's got to kind of come back and reestablish himself with his quarterback, like Matthew Stafford. Everybody thinks he's he's just going to completely break down physically. You know, but he could still throw it better than just about anybody. So that's the uh, that's the pairing I'm most eager to see whether they can sort of recapture things. Uh, I think they're headed straight towards Caleb Williams, frankly. I mean, it feels that way. The Stetson it feels Bennett like they're, pick. The Stetson Bennett pick was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not unbelievable to me based on his ability. Uh, I, some teams Bennett? have him as this as the sixth best quarterback in the draft. Like you'd be surprised at how many had him high, but uh, it was some of the, like there was definitely some character concerns around Stetson Bennett to the point where I thought he'd be more late day three. That was a surprise pick in the fourth for sure, but he can play though. So I don't know. It's Sean McVay's first draft pick, first quarterback pick. Um, how early is he going to see the field? It feels like the Rams are, are, yeah, it kind of feels like they're prepared for Caleb Williams' time, are they not? It feels that way a little it bit. Seems I don't think Caleb Williams is going to have to hire movers. That's my take. I also think that we, there's going to be a couple teams that are just so bad that we're not prepared for it, like the Arizona Cardinals. Right. Well, that for sure. But yes. like, it's hard for me to believe the Rams are going to win two games, right? Like, you have to really dig deep and show great fortitude to lose 14, 13 games, whatever it takes to get the number one pick, right? Like, I just. That's so hard to do in football. Aside from the Browns, every team that's gotten a generational quarterback, I feel, in the draft at the top has been bad accidentally. Yeah. I'm, try- I'm like trying to Colts, think of right? Yeah, the Colts are I mean, that was that was just an accident of injury. Like I don't yeah. I don't think the Jags were actively tanking that year. Maybe they were. But like most yeah. teams actually try to put up a fight just for appearances every December. Well, look at Houston last year. Like, who knows yeah. if they were actually tanking or not, right? 
But what felt what it felt like in the last week of the season is that, like, hey, let's maybe lose this game, right? Secure the number one pick, and then Lovey Smith rallies the troops and they win uh, against the Colts. Like, it's just you have a lot of players with pride on the line, and you can, you can't play football sixty percent. I just don't know how you do it, how you tank properly. It's impossible. And also, the the biggest thing for me, and I, I've done this, I've done this argument a million times, going back to the Browns process, but. It's hard to do a total teardown in football because careers are so short, peaks are so short. There's guys who have their best season ever in year two. Yeah. Um, contracts are only four years long, really. And so if you're if you're gonna do a total teardown, it might take you four years to build back up. And you're all yeah. of a sudden the guys you draft at the beginning of your process are either getting get, either getting expensive or which defeats the purpose, or they're they've just got a bunch of bad habits because they've lost. 15 14 games a year for the past first four years i see this all the time in the nba where these guys don't learn to win so they never win and that sounds like junk science but 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 it is it's real it's real and like that was the jason kelsey thing a couple of years ago we went on that rant about how once you stop prioritizing winning games you know obviously it, it ended up working for the eagles but like once you start and that was just one that was a one-off situation but like once you start losing games on purpose the whole thing starts to deteriorate quite quickly and so to do a yeah. total teardown for me I've always thought that you need to have a proof of concept by the end of year two. I don't remember, except Jim, I think even Jimmy Johnson. Um, I don't remember a team that didn't show me something, a coach or a process or a rebuild that didn't show me something by the end of year two that ever worked. Because just football doesn't work that way. Like the whole thing about, you know, life yeah. is what happens when you're making plans. Like, oh, we're going to sign this defensive tackle. He's going to help us in three years. Well, guess what? In three years, he might have gained 30 pounds. He might have lost 0.2 on his 40-yard dash. Like that's just how football works. The only, the, 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 the most in- true thing that we think is a cliche, Jeremy, in training camp is when coaches say, well, we don't have a football team yet, right? And like you think you hear it and you're just like, ah, I don't really know what that means. But it's like, no, there's 90 guys out there, 53 of them make it. And really, there's only five or six positions up for grabs. But like the amount guys change from year to year because of health, because of, of declining, yeah. you know, how quickly guys age. One hit can change your career. Uh, this guy didn't work out that 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 hard in the offseason, whatever. And then yeah. you add in like, oh, actually, this special team's ace was actually really important. He, he took a three-year deal somewhere else. Like, Things change so quickly from year to year that um, it's just long, long term plans are really hard to pull off. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kids' education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. I mean, I yeah, you touched on uh, a lot of heat there. <laughs> I, I don't know if I can follow that, but I, I would say 
if you draft a quarter, if you're tanking to draft a quarterback or you're trying to position yourself to get a, a top guy, what is he inheriting, right? Does he even have enough talent around him to win? Like those are all considerations. Um, you know, I think the model that some teams can follow, and I think of the Vikings, for example, is you can kind of try to do both. You can slightly yes. rebuild while you stay competitive if you have five or six pieces. And the Rams, to an extent, are that. You know, they're still Baron Donald and Matthew Stafford. But the Vikings can say, hey, we got Kirk Cousins under contract for another year. We got Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson, like that we can pay now. Um, and we'll just put together enough around our key players where we're going to be pretty good. Uh, but we can sort of peel back the contracts we don't want mm-hmm. and just get in a healthier cap space mm-hmm. uh, and be in a position to succeed. You know, but then you, you still see guys or teams that are stuck in the middle that maybe they would have made a move for like an Anthony Richardson or a Bryce Young this year, one of those quarterbacks. But if you're the Ravens and you're going to the draft and like, let's say they didn't get Lamar's deal done for the draft and you're stuck picking 22nd, like how do you move up? So it's hard if you're like, it's hard to do it while you're trying to solely focus in on a top quarterback. It just seems so hard to get there to the top and calculate that part of it. So you got to kind of hope for the best there while you strip down the roster knowing that, you know, you're hoping in the next two years you can build it to a competitive spot where, where you're young and you don't have a lot of, you know, bloated veteran contracts. Agree. Uh, defenders, under, most underrated defender in this league. Most underrated defender in this league. Hold on, I got a list of a couple guys here. Patrick Sertan. Ooh. Javon Holland's really pretty underrated. Oh, Safety yeah. in Miami. Um, what's the same? I'd say Brian Burns is still underrated. Yeah. You know, he's you saw at the trade deadline, like teams are willing to give up multiple first round picks for him, and that was legitimate. Like he's a major talent. I'd say with Burns and Sertan, Holland, I think, is in a different bucket, but both of them just play on play on teams that nobody watches, which is a really hard thing to do for a defender because you don't have fantasy football to prop you up and you're not a quarterback, so people aren't paying attention. So like to be a elite defender on a team that nobody watches is a pretty cruel fate. Unless you're getting bad, unless you're getting actively bad, and you actually get X three years more relevance because no one's noticed you're bad. That's not the right. case here. Um, well, so, yeah, especially the Broncos were giving up like two points a game on defense and still yeah, losing. Yeah, but nobody cared. Like, that's be everybody's making fun of, of, of the Broncos country. Let's ride thing. And nobody cares that they're, that they, they had pieces all over the place. <laughs> um, what, imp- so, I, I think that uh, Sertan is an is a interesting guy. I've followed him since he was in high school, obviously. And his dad, his dad uh, obviously, is a, is a legacy and all that stuff. What is the league like about him? They just think he's incredibly polished as a cornerback. Like, he looks like he was groomed by a father who played at a high yeah. level for a long time. Like, he plays like that, you know? Never panicked. Um you know, body positioning, like instincts, but more out of, based out of preparation, just kind of knows what the receivers are going to be doing and what their game plan is. Can really doesn't back away from any challenge. Um, you know, he'll, he'll go one-on-one against the, the tall, fast guy, the slow, quick guy, or I'm sorry, the, the uh, short, quick guy over yeah. the middle, like any sort of size and speed combination he's willing to combat and, and usually does a pretty good job. So it's an interesting time at like with the cornerback rankings because you know Jalen Ramsey had been at the top for so long. We'll see if he can stay there or close to there, but it seems like a lot of young guys are now coming up into those spots. Overrated. Overrated defensive player. Yep. Ooh, 
Ooh, that's a good one. I mean, like, yeah, I mentioned Ramsey. I, I think some in the league believe he's overrated, whether it's fair or not. But I, I know there are um, more than you'd think. I believe, uh, you know, he hasn't been good the last few years. Like, he's been last good, but not. Years. Yeah, I'd say last two yeah. years. Not like he's been good, but not like, okay, not the un- unquestioned number one cornerback. Interesting. Interesting. Who else? But I mean, look, like he's still really, really good. Well, it's like, uh, it's is, also relative to Jalen Ramsey, who was who was yes. a number one for a, a long time, and he set a high standard his first like five years, you know. So it's hard to it's hard to keep that up too. Um, who else? I mean, some of the pass rushers are getting older. You know, yeah. Khalil Mack. Khalil sure. Mack is very much a, very much an acquired taste. Well, but also the league the tells us he's older now. Yeah, but, and the league tells us how they feel about these guys when they start switching teams a lot. You know, I, I know, mean, like, I know, no, but... like I, I just there there are players who still have value when they go to another team, but it's very, very, very rare for an elite yeah. of the elite player to switch teams. And I would also say that's true of yeah. quarterback. Right. Like I said this, I remember I got heat for it last year when I went on Bill Simmons pod about the day that Russell Wilson got traded. And I was like, listen, yeah, I don't think an elite quarterback in the NFL has ever switched teams. And that still might be true. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, when a quarterback moves on, it's normally because the team is kind of saying, okay. Like, I don't – here's the way I'll phrase it, and this is the way I phrase it then. I don't think a quarterback that a team wanted to keep has ever switched teams. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think that yes, – I, yes, I don't absolutely. think that, like, they can just keep them. They can just franchise type them and just say, we're not trading you. Look at Aaron Rodgers during his MVP reign. Look at Russell Wilson when Russell Wilson first did it. Did it. Like, I don't I, – I just – I think that there's – I think teams tell us their valuation with their moves. And the, and as yeah. you said, the money. And the, the fact that Seattle wanted to move on from Russell Wilson, who at one time was probably considered a top three quarterback, mm-hmm. it was shocking at the time, but it foretold what happened in Denver a little bit, right? They saw this coming. They moved out at the proper time. So like Dak Prescott's a fascinating conversation with this. Like we've talked about this on air. I know some shows like, okay, if Dak has another year of high interceptions or they don't meet the expectations as a team. Do the Cowboys move on from Dak? Is it a make it or break a year? It's like, okay, well, maybe, but he's still a top 10 quarterback in a league that doesn't have many of those. And he's still um, on a team that's sort of been okay with, you know, being middle of the road, right? Like when's the last time Dallas made a major move in the playoffs? They've still been okay with that. So it's like, they're pro- you're probably going to stick with, with who you have at that point. This is separate, but I actually was just reading about Mike McCarthy meeting with Texas high school coaches, which yeah. is admirable. I, I like that. I love that kind of connection. I actually can't believe Mike McCarthy's the coach of the Cowboys. I actually can't believe it. Like I just wrote Pat and I went through this a couple weeks ago. Like there's these coaches that just seem pre-fired all the time where you're just like, they, yeah. it just seems like what really we're still in this era. Like the entire Jeff Fisher Rams felt like that where you're just like, every time you look at them, you're like, well, this is going to end. I know. Soon. But Jeff Fisher won eight games a year. McCarthy's winning 12 games a year. Like, they're pretty uh, good. Oh, I know. I know. But the roster is good. Jerry, the GM, is cooking that is true. with Will McClay. They, um, kind of, they kind of are, honestly. They're like Dallas last decade. Pretty good roster, man. I, 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 I got to win in the East. I really do think that they, they are really good at, at stacking talent. Yeah. Um, all right. I think they can win the East. Me too. I think the Eagles will, but I think that I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys yeah. did. Um, all right. Rookie extensions, I'm intrigued by this because the quarterback market can move very quickly. And Hertz gets done, and now we have Burrow 
and Herbert. A couple things. You said the other day that there's no doubt Burrow is going to be the highest paid player in football. What does it look like to you? Like ballpark? Mm, 55 maybe. 54, 55 a year. High guarantee percentage, but not quite 100%. Um, I mean, this is the guy that's like unequivocally the second best quarterback in football. Yes. So you just you, you couple, have to pay couple, that. Like couple, I don't know. A couple it. Buffalo get Buffalo cell phone well, numbers sliding in, sliding into your messages yeah. in the next he, three hours. Well, it's I would say the tier is Mahomes is his own tier, and yeah. then Burrow and Allen are their own tier. I would say that. Um, but most put Burrow on a slight edge there. So you're set. You you made clear publicly you're going to do it. They've already had talks. The ball's rolling. Um, it seems based on Joe Burrow's messages that he's willing to help the team in some capacity. I don't know what that looks like yet. Only 55 so million. My, I'll take $55 million. I'll take 55. But what, what else are you going to take if, if right. Lamar Jackson is 52? Right. Okay. Maybe it's 53 just to put a, get right. him as the highest paid, uh, by an extra million, but it's going to be re- ridiculous regardless. Now the question is what's the guarantee? Like that's really the big thing in the structure of it. And like, we're, we're talking about Herbert. And Joe Burrow, they're with two franchises that aren't really known as like um, top tier spenders necessarily, right? right? Uh, with the Chargers and Bengals, it's just it's going to be a unique negotiation. Like when you do a deal like that, and let's say you give a guy two hundred million in guarantees or one hundred and eighty million, you know you got to settle that aside in escrow. So it's like, do those franchises want to do that? I don't know. So the structure of it and the guarantees will be really interesting, and I, I think Burrow's. You know, is he going to be a killer and just hold this out and, and make them pay a full guarantee and all that? I I'm, I don't know. He, he might be willing to help the team somehow. Am I just stupid and not not reading the LA Times or whatever? I just don't hear really anything about Herbert's negotiations. Are they waiting for the other dominoes to fall? Um, pro- probably. I th- I know it's been pretty – I don't know where it stands like today, but I know when I've checked in on it, it's just been both sides. Like they know they're going to get to it. There's not a panic really. <laughs> they're just sort of waiting. It's on the to-do list. Right. They might just be let, I mean, cause there seems to be more momentum with Burrow. Yeah. Why no, not wait? Sure. Yeah. I get why that. Why not wait? And you can either match it or come over the top. I, I, I do feel like then the most complicated part of it then is Tua because I don't know what you do. I don't know what you do because it's not well, they did even it. what to do has been done. The, the fifth year option. Like that was a right, big no, decision. Right. But at some point you have to, you have to go beyond that. Um, especially, I mean, what, when, when Burrow and Herbert get their deal, just to uh, try to accelerate things, I would I wouldn't rush anything if I was the Dolphins. I would just say, right. I mean, I I would take. It's actually funny, the way the Cowboys played the initial DAC negotiation was absolutely abysmal, where they just basically waited to see if he was still good. I don't even know what that was. It was just a very right. strange situation. I could actually, have got him for like a, a lot lower than a they lot did. Lower. That's for sure. And. I actually would employ that strategy for Tua where it's like, let's just see what it looks like this year and then go from there. And then I don't think, I don't think Tua is, should get in the ballpark of, of Burrow and Herbert, but the quarterback market has surprised me. I'm talking about like not even close, but then again, the quarterback market is so inefficient and stupid um, that I don't, I mean, there's going to be quarter. I mean, like, Again, it only takes one Christian Kirk for the entire wide receiver market to totally flip right. out. Okay, right. and but he was think, a free agent, right? Yes, but you I have think to get we, to free agency to get that. We sit around and we talk about Burrow and Herbert setting the market. A lot of times, it's just random ass players in the middle tier who actually 
bring everything up. Um, and so I, I don't, I just don't know where they go with the Tua contract. Yeah, I, I think they went there figuring, hey, he's locked in for 2024 at what the fifth year option of 25 million or whatever it is. That's guaranteed. Let's roll them. Let's see if he can put together a healthy full season, a productive season, and see what happens. And then if he does it, you're glad to pay him at that yep. point. Yep. Uh, that's that's my read on it. I, I just haven't sensed any momentum that there's they're doing a contract extension now, but I don't think either side's pressed on it. All right, last thing for you. Uh, next QB does not matter if he's a rookie or not to be on the move. Like, is there a quarterback scenario we need to be talking about where it's like, all right, this guy – next next spring might be might be somewhere else i mean I, we haven't talked a whole lot i've seen some discourse about it. kirk cousins mm. like, that's the name to me right he's got a year left from his contract and there really hasn't been a lot of momentum that i've seen uh for a new deal i, I think the vikings are willing to do it but they also are with a new regime and they're trying to you know, kind of balance out their books again, but they have more flexibility on mm-hmm. contracts and not these longer deals uh, with, with veterans that uh, they've eventually had to cut, like Adam Thielen and Eric Kendricks. It's an interesting time in Minnesota, and that's a big ball to drop that hasn't dropped yet. So if he's going to play it out and then becomes a free agent again, like he can go sign with Kyle Shanahan. That's finally exactly what I was going to say. With the, you know what I mean? Like, the des- it is written. The destiny is fulfilled. That's it's right. It's been rumored for a, eight years. I mean, he's he's played the game perfectly. Why not keep playing it? You know, see how this year goes. You know you're going to put up numbers again. you got weapons. Pretty good team. Hit free agency. They're probably not going to franchise tag you again because you've been through that song and dance with Washington. Like that That's a, a major storyline that I feel like hasn't been covered enough. Well, we're, we're starting the drumbeat. Jeremy Fowler, he's going <laughs> on air. What are you going to do right now? Get up? This just did? Uh, no, I got, got, a little, I got to hop on SportsCenter here in a minute. Oh, no so. big deal. Uh, I got uh, my dress shirt on and my basketball shorts on. So, like, you got to stay versatile, you know. You, you could go to, like, church, happy hour, or the courts, you know. The one time I was on SportsCenter, I was at the Wall Street Journal, and they asked me to come on. And uh, I was literally going to a wedding, and I was right by Hartford. And I told them, yeah. I was like, I'm actually – they were like, can you come to the ABC studio? And I was like, I'm, like, five minutes away from you guys. And they did not believe me. They, I think they thought I was like scamming them to get inside the building because I was like you 20, just rolled up. I was like 24 years old, and I was like, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually here. I can just come in. Um, but you look at you. You're in Central Connecticut. You got the dress shirt on. I had to go That's buy right. a tie. I had to go buy a tie for that Sports Center hit because I didn't have one. So I went to a Ross in West Hartford or a <laughs> TJ Maxx, whatever, whatever you guys have up there. So, you there deserve you better, my man. I I did not. I did not deserve better. Jeremy Fowler, enjoy Sports Center. He's amazing. Uh he's 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 an insider. Catch him everywhere. We'll see you soon, buddy. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it, man. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
you might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong. But these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.